This episode is brought to you by Objective Outcomes. If you're tired of fad diets, yo-yo dieting, and quick fixes that don't last, you should start a sustainable, behavior-based personal training that is primed for lifelong changes to promote a healthier lifestyle. You can find us at ObjectiveOutcomesABA.com. Also, if you are seeking remote supervision and interested in the application of ABA in health, sports, and fitness, we offer supervision for unrestricted hours, monthly group supervision where you can meet others on the same track as you. You can find more at ObjectiveOutcomesABA.com. This is an ABA podcast with two BAs and And no no BS. This is two BAs on a pod. All right, guys, welcome to another episode. Before we jump into the episode, we want to introduce our guest for this week because we are so excited to have her and we need her to be part of the entire show. Today, we're talking with a badass, angry BCBA. She has been in the field for eight years, a BCBA for two years, and has owned her own agency since December. She puts a super nanny spin on ABA, which we love. We found this guest on Instagram in the comments of a controversial (laughs) post and felt connected to her right away because of how unapologetically real she is. Please welcome Kayla to the show, you guys. Hey, guys. (laughs) So excited. I know. No, it's hilarious because that's literally how we found her. Well, yeah. We didn't know that she was on the Behavior Bitches podcast. Like, we heard the episode, but we didn't, like, connect with Realize it was her. It yeah. Was, yeah, we didn't realize it was her. So there was, like, a controversial post. It was talking about how ABA is sexist. What was it? Yes. Right? It was, yeah, it was, like, sexist, racist. It was, like, all all the bad things possible that ABA's foundation, um, basically, like, where it came from. Um, Kayla, do you remember when you said you're like, what, like, who else? Like, what if the fold isn't? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember exactly the context of what I said, but I remember bringing something up like, this literally could be said about anything under the sun. Like, this yes. is not yes. specific to ABA. Like, I could stub yes. my toe and someone would find it racist, probably. <laughs> right. Right. Somebody, right. And, yeah. And that's the thing that kind of like gets. Us, like me and Ashley and we always like we'll send each other like different posts that we see and kind of just like talk shit amongst each other because um, we're not as <laughs> not as brave as you Kayla and um, it's so true though because you can find and it's just kind of the way the science is you know brought into you know the country it's just how the country was kind of built it's not right it's just the way it was um, right. so to just single out ABA it's not fair um, but it's not to say that it isn't true. I mean, I'm sure there's some parts of ABA that is ableist or could be sexist. I mean, Skinner is a guy. Maybe that's why they said that. Um, he was also a white guy. So maybe it is a little racist. I'm not too sure. We can get into it today. But um, I just love how you were like the only person under those that comment thread that was brave enough to say like you could literally say this about anything. Right. Yeah, so. you, I think it gets really challenging. And, you know, I'll we'll get into this in a little bit, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But it gets yeah, really definitely challenging when we uh, when we have these thoughts about things, even that don't align with the trend or what most people right. put out on social media, but we're scared to say it because exactly 
cancel culture now. So it's like, yep. oh, I want to say it, but I'm scared to because I don't know if right. it's like a reputation thing, but a lot of people aren't really coming forward. You know, yeah. I see no, it in the messages. Sure. Like, oh my God, I'm so glad you posted this. Please don't tell anybody that I'm so glad that you posted it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so, I yeah. think getting canceled is terrifying because like I know I've – um. I've always like been fascinated with like the transgender community and have would love mm -hmm. to do like research there and learn more, but I feel very scared to do so because I'm like, if I don't do that exactly correctly, I could be seen right. as like this white supremacist, crazy cunt bitch. That's just coming yeah. in trying to like annihilate of like a sector of people, which is like completely opposite of my ideas or what I'd want to do there. But it's yeah. just something that I'd love to learn more about. Mm -hmm. um, especially from a scientific standpoint, but it's like, how do you, like, there's just so many things you just get terrified. I'm even scared now. Like someone's probably going to be like, Oh no, fuck her. Fuck yeah, the two VAs. Like <laughs> for her even saying that, but it's like you, like we're, we're like getting to a point where we can't even like try to learn anymore. Like it's right. that bad. Like mm -hmm. it is what it is. Don't question it. Right. And it even comes to like with comedians and them not like even having to able to joke about transgender community right. without being like canceled or be talked about or whatever. We're not going to pay to watch you because of even a joke. But if we want equality, I think everybody should be laughed about like regardless Everyone, of your sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody's fair game if we want true equality. So I definitely agree that you can't even talk about certain subjects without the fear of um, being like persecuted as like a Nazi. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite comedians, she was um, she was doing this series called Can We Take a Joke, which is all about how we've just oh, become I love that. soft culture mm -hmm, that right. like, sucks the fun out of everything. Like there's mm -hmm. no room for anything outside of the trend. And she said during one of her shows, she didn't say anything about making fun of like handicapped people. And mm -hmm. someone in a wheelchair came up to her at the end of the show and said, that show was horse shit. Why didn't you make fun of me? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's almost belittling to treat these, like to pacify and almost kind of like right. these populations because we think it might hurt their feelings. But they see right. it as like right. actually discluding us from a lot of things that are... Exactly. Right. You know, like, like who are we to say like, oh, you you're too sensitive to listen to this or you can't right. take this joke or yeah, mm -hmm. it's like we don't why do we have that power to decide that for them? So yeah, I definitely right. agree. Exactly. And it's usually like not even the person a part of the population that's mad. Exactly. <laughs> Most exactly. of the time. I will not stand for this. It's like, stand for what? Do you even know what the person missing an arm or a leg or an eye? Like, did they right. actually tell you that right. this really hurts my feelings? You can't say that. Right. And most of the time, the answer is no. It's just exactly. an assumption. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we, we're going to start the episode with um, a statement, and then we can kind of get into if we agree with it, don't agree with it. Um, but today's introduction statement is Skinner's concept of ABA is different than how most people are practicing ABA today. So I definitely think, well, Skinner's concept of ABA, right, was be began in like with the rats in the Skinner box. Um, it was very black and white, reinforcement and punishment. Um, we didn't have all of these different like concepts or strategies. 
clearly it wasn't implemented with the population that we have today because uh, I know I don't even think Skinner was too much involved with the um, it being included with the special needs population. I know that was the first population we used ABA on, um, besides from the rats and the pigeons. But what do you guys think about that statement? Um, well, I think like all of our – like Pavlov, Watson, Skinner, like we get all of our base, like go back to the basics, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. where did we come from? What are our basic – rules and foundations of behavior and how behave like how to analyze it how to reinforce it how to punish it what happens but obviously over time we've come up with all of these like new concepts and all these right. new things so we implement all the current things because we're not going to just stay in like watch this little box skinner's box yeah like we're not going to do that but i think that we would be lying if we said we didn't I feel like I've never met one person in the field that doesn't fucking worship Skinner. So I feel like we'd be lying if we said we didn't still take from that research because it's Mm -hmm. to this day, whether people, yeah, yeah, people like it or not, it's scientific fact that when you reinforce behavior, it's going to keep happening. When you punish it, Mm -hmm. it's going to stop. Like, it's like, we can't say it's not true. So we might do things differently, maybe a little more ethically for sure, but um, we're not really using animals anymore. Maybe people that work with animals are, but um, I think that we still use those foundation, that foundational knowledge in our field today. I, I think that the foundational concepts are still in place in a lot of ways, but I think the motives have changed with AB. Right. Mm -hmm. In the Skinner time, everything seemed very hyper-focused around, well, what will this look like in the research? And let's expedite this behavior modification process for a result to kind of, it was more of like a scientific spectacle, whereas now it seems to be more focused towards independence. And now we're kind of getting into even mentalistic parts of ABA, which some people are already like shoving down and this will be a repressed memory before we know it, I'm sure. But <laughs> I, think, I think that there are a lot of ways where we think we're being progressive, but then we're still stuck in these, uh, these mindsets of like, oh, we're, well, Lovas told us that kids need 30 hours of ABA. And right. So that's where it gets a little tricky. Yeah. Like, are we really far away? from what it used to be? Or do we just want to think that we are? Right. right. That's very true. Yeah. One thing I know we don't do as much is, you know, the punishment side of ABA, which is huge, right? We learned punishment and we learned reinforcement from Skinner. Um, but in in my programming, we really don't use punishment. And I know in other BCBAs, we don't really use punishment. Um, so I think that's something we definitely strayed away from as we have became more progressive in the field. Mm-hmm. And I think Absolutely. that's a, a huge thing that people who aren't in our field don't realize. They think mm-hmm. how many people I've told, oh, I'm a behavior therapist. And they're like, oh, so you beat those kids or you do that. Like, it's like the most right. ridiculous. Right. You're like, abusive. honestly, and I don't, I'm not even embarrassed to say because I'm not the one giving that response. And I look at people like I've never even actually yelled at one of my clients before. Mm-hmm. I've never raised my voice. I've never been reprimanding. I've never punished I use reinforcement strategies as much as I can. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, so what do you do? And I'm like, you you should want to know because it's going to make your life easier. <laughs> like, I don't know. Right, but exactly. a lot of people don't realize that we don't use punishment. They think that we come in like these authoritative figures, like walking in, everything's going to be this way or that way. And you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to do anything you want. I'm going to sit at this table for 30 minutes with me and we're going to go through these cards and you're going to fucking like it. It's like that's right. literally like the complete yeah. opposite of the way that we 
do therapy, but people don't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we have we have came a long way from just doing right. DTT table time stuff because um, right. I know that was m- – most people think that's what we still do and a lot of us do – we have like transitioned to more of the naturalistic style, mm-hmm. of, style of teaching and I mean we still use DTT here and there but it's not strictly just table time, three no. hours and you get your little – five seconds of reinforcer and then we're doing mass trials. I mean, that can work and it's still an option, but it's not the only thing that we do. So I think that right. also has um, progressed as we learned how to implement ABA a little better. Right. Yeah. It's nice to see that not every single data sheet is, you have to take 10 trials worth exactly. of data in blocks of 10. And if you don't, then, you know, it basically is an invalid it's null, yeah. measure of data. So it's mm-hmm. nice to see that we're getting a little bit more flexible too from even like the data collection standpoint. Yep. Right. So. That's very true. Yep. So we also do a segment of uh, EO AO of the week. So uh, I'm, I know you know what that means. Establishing operation, abolishing operation. Uh, basically, we just ask each other what is keeping our motivation high throughout the week and what is kind of keeping that motivation low throughout the week. I will go first because I have the same the same stimulus is an EO and an AO. Uh, I know I talked about this with our last podcast, Ashley, with the plumbing crew outside of my house. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're still here. Um, they're really fucking annoying. <laughs> they are 24-7. Like, they don't – they just rotate shifts. They don't stop. So, like, Holy in the fuck. middle of the night, they're, like, jackhammering and, like, they're loud. I just hear trucks, like, beeping, like, you know, and they're like, beep, 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 jackhammer. Like, they are so loud. So, they are actually an establishing operation for fucking sleep. Because they have been keeping me deprived of sleeping. So I'm like a sleepy girl all the time because them. Um, I cannot wait till they stop. And they're also an abolishing operation uh, for my meditation in the morning. Because I cannot meditate on my balcony because they're so fucking loud. It it stinks outside because they're working on a sewer line. So they're both. They're establishing operation for sleep and abolishing for my meditation. So they're just not good for my mental health right now. They're just not. I'm not oh God, it. I'm surprised it's like 24-7. Like it's they're just not. Seven. Like you yeah. think they'd be done they're by outside now. Outside right now. Like they're literally right now, like just fucking jackhammering away. Like I don't know what oh is God. going on. I feel bad for the house that first dealt with this problem because it, it is a sewer line. So someone's bathtub, I'm sure, was full of shit yeah. before they got <laughs> Like, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sorry. I feel bad for whoever house that was, but I'm sure it's a major problem. Um, My husband talked to them and they said it was like a a sewer line leak. So it's it's not fun because this is like the sewer line for the city. Um, Right. This is not cool. Like, this is a major issue. I know they need to fix it, but it's like, I feel like it like encompasses my whole house because it starts from the alley and then it goes all the way around to the front of the house so i'm just like surrounded i'm like in by it. This, yeah <laughs> surrounded they were, by trapped it. They were milking it shawshank style like yeah. that's that's just take yes. as long as you can that's yeah. what my husband like because it's the city so you know they're paying so they're, they're <laughs> oh, definitely yeah. milking it yeah but they are oh, yes. they need to leave so i can get like a full night rest and i can go out my balcony and fucking meditate <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so oh that is the same. So hopefully next time we meet, they're gone, Ashley. So I won't talk about them. Oh, again, okay. But. No, it's okay. I get it. It's annoying. <laughs> it's so, so annoying. annoying. 
<laughs> That's funny. Um, I'll go next. So my okay. EO of the week, it comes from my students again because like I, I've talked about it a few times. So, uh, you know, June 3rd is my last day at the school. So then I'll stop talking about working there. But okay. <laughs> I'm like leaving my school. I'm not going to be teaching anymore. And um, like with that came a lot of like just I didn't give a fuck about being there anymore. So my students like they don't even know this, but um they've just been doing things lately that make me feel so appreciated. And it's like my uh-huh. EO for like just going to work. And I missed work on Monday um, for a doctor's appointment. And my, one of my students, like we we're going over poems right now. Well, we just finished because now we're doing like the study guide for the final. But she wrote me a poem because I was gone. And it Aww. was just so nice. Like it was just literally <laughs> about how patient I am, how forgiving I am, how nice I am, how much. I- and I was just like, Aww. what the fuck? Like I and this is like my this- student. She has defiance disorder. Like she is the hardest kid I've ever fucking worked with in the eight years that I've been working with children. I never thought a child could be like her. And I've just had so much progress with her. So and like that was just so nice. So that was like my EO. And then um, my AO is just like just also not wanting to be there. Like even like that comes in waves. So like that'll keep me motivated. But then like there's times where I'm just like I really don't want to be here. Like I feel it through the day and I just right. like get in my head about it because I just am like I don't want to be there anymore. Like overall. Yeah. So well, the closer I- to that June 3rd date, I'm sure it's making it stronger and stronger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. You're yeah. like jumping at the bit. Like, yeah, and it's like it? it's like crazy because I do love working there. Um, I wanted to like be a behavior analyst for them. Like I I wanted to do that, but that didn't like work out with like salary and stuff like that. So it's yeah. like it sucks because I love it there. I love who I work with, and I love my kids. I love my students. I love working with them too because I have a few students who are on the spectrum, but they're extremely high functioning. Um, so I, I like that banter with my kids of like right. being able to connect with them independently. Like they tell me about oh, yeah. the things they do. They show me the things that they do. I can kind of make fun of them a little bit. They make fun of me like that, like just that mm-hmm. naturalistic that. banter that we get. Um, not that I don't love teaching that. I said this on the other podcast that we recorded too, because I don't want anyone to come for me and say that I hate my my neurodiverse kids but I do love teaching those things but there is just something special about the bond you make with your kids when it's just natural and I'm, right. I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss that so yeah yeah I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that you're able in a not every single case because that would be kind of more of a black and white white right side right it. but I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that you're able to connect on a deeper emotional level right emotional understanding and even exactly understanding is a little bit yeah. more on par with maybe where you are right um, exactly like I think you know the the neurodiversity threads out there now would probably take something like that and say Kayla you hate low functioning people right like, right, right said anything about hate yeah. or love I said that yeah. I like to connect with people on a deep emotional level right, so, right exactly you go, girl. yes <laughs> yes no, for sure because <laughs> trust I, me I, I've had moments in session where I cry because I like my client right now I taught him how to communicate when his tv's not working that was something I've been with him for two years he would have mm-hmm. just like threw the remote and started hyperventilating trying to get attention so I right. like have cried teared up with his mom over his progress so don't get me wrong I love doing yeah. that too like that is a different very reinforcing it's just different yeah yeah exactly yeah, 
And, totally. I, and I do want to get into the low function and high function terminology eventually when we get into yeah, this yeah, podcast. Because yeah. even sorry. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wasn't supposed to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Kayla, what is your establishing operation this week? My establishing operation right now is this high functioning, low functioning talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> really? Let's get to oh it. God. I'm like, I'm, we're getting yeah, into we have to. Great. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it, on a serious note for the week, my EO continues to be working with families that have absolutely no understanding of ABA um, or what I do. Right. So I don't, I don't market my practice as ABA. I don't mm-hmm. tell people I'm a BCBA. I connect emotionally and I kind of show them what I can do. And I basically provide a solution to a problem and I kind of right. let that be the thing. Um, and it's really nice for me to be able to have those conversations. Whereas an AO and that, and the exact same other side so, of this mm-hmm. is uh, I had a client the other day. Well, not the other day. Every day for me, I say the other day. The other day. Five years. Everything is the other day. Yeah. <laughs> so sometime the other day, um, a session was supposed to be from five to six thirty, and at like six twenty-seven, I start packing my stuff up, and I'm right. like, "Okay, great recap." And the mom goes, "We'll just call this kid, you know, Johnny. Johnny, come down here. Kayla has three more minutes." Oh and it's gosh. like. That is part of ABA that makes me not ever want to, like, I'm already trying to move away from the direct or any sort of client work. Right. Um, Of course. That that just makes me not want to do it at all. Like, why are these time constraints around everything? So. Yeah. Three minutes? Like, what the fuck am I going to do in three minutes? Parents feel very entitled to those hours. They feel very, very entitled to those hours. They they know how many hours they have and they want to use every fucking minute of it. So mm-hmm. I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah, But I think a huge yeah. part of it, a lot of the time, okay, I'm going to piss somebody off right now. I already know. So here's a disclaimer. Let's just get it's into because it. because <laughs> they hate when we leave. They hate when we leave. That's why. Yeah. Because yeah. when we leave, the whole instructional control. shift. It's a huge mm-hmm. shift. Like, it's harder. Yeah, it is. And I get it because trust me, the four hours I'm with your kids, sometimes I'm not in a good mood. Okay. Like I totally get it. But like, that's not what our purpose is. And I feel like it glorifies us as these like babysitter types. Right. And I hate that. Like, I feel like our professionalism is stripped away a lot by this view that we get of like, oh, but you're I how many times I've been told oh but you're gonna be watching him from this time to I'm not watching him like that is not what I'm doing trust me I could probably make more money as a fucking live-in nanny right now than I can as an RBT so Mm -hmm. don't even push me to go there because I might do it (laughs) like (laughs) oh I'd love to be a nanny that's like a dream job of mine that's a whole other conversation but yeah Yeah, they really do yeah they don't want us to leave they don't. It's it's like that instructional control is gone because the parents, they don't do this. They don't implement the way we implement. Um, right. And maybe it's because they're not involved because they think that we're watching their kids. So when we're there, they're doing laundry or they're working yeah. on their computer or they're doing anything else because they mm-hmm. think we're there to babysit. When, in fact, if they were present and were like in session with us, they would be able to gain that same instructional control that we have. So this is why it's really important for parents to be as involved as possible. I mean, I've had parents that try to sneak off, like to like grocery shopping. I'm like, wait a minute, you can't leave. Like, I can't leave the house. 
you cannot yeah. leave the house. Like, oh no, it's yeah. I'm going to go right here. This is the court. No, we're going to go with you. Like, we'll we'll want a little outing with you because this is not yeah. this is not what this is. So. But, I think that, yeah. like, the goal too is like it. What I think ABA has a hard time telling and explaining, telling parents is that when we leave your life, it doesn't have to get harder. Like that's the whole purpose of why we're there is so that when we are not there, you're ha- able to have a better handle on these things mm-hmm. and more confidently address these issues that come up. So you don't feel like, you know, oh, he just bit me. Can you come back over? Like th- that right. shouldn't be the sequence of what happens. It should be, you know what, I'm going to go into my mental arsenal of all of these tools that Kayla or whoever has given me. And that's how right. I'm going to navigate this situation. Exactly. Exactly. So. Right. Um, I'm interested as how you don't market yourself as a BCBA. Um, are you still charging like a BCBA? Are you, are you working with insurances? Like how does that all go down? We work with insurance, but our clients that our insurance paying clients are very limited. So we have mm-hmm. all, like, I don't want to say all, we mostly have private pay clients. When we That's started, hard. we only had out-of-pocket families that did not have an autism diagnosis. Okay. Um, and the way that they actually found me was I was working with a former client and uh, there were, <laughs> it was a complete shit show. Like, in <laughs> of course. Shows, like, get all in there. Like yeah. warning little stands yeah. <laughs> out in front of aisle nine. This crazy girl with crazy <laughs> hair is literally carrying a kid, like screaming. And right. there were a few moms that like kind of flagged me down and said like, oh my God, I have no idea what you just did, but I could really use the same help. <laughs> and I was like- Right. It's like magic to them, honestly. <laughs> yes. And so that's kind of where it started was, and I had always been obsessed with Super Nanny. Like she was- badass i love I mean, super nanny this little mary poppins looking woman who's like <laughs> no bullshit yeah. i really wanted to build my practice around that and i was never an rbt because i just could not take if you oh, ever really told me to sit in a three-hour session i'd be like no the fuck i am not <laughs> so wow, that's how yeah. i did it um So I wanted to build my practice around bringing clients in that just needed emotional help and like more, Mm -hmm. not the frame of reference that we have with ABA, because that's when you get families that are like, how many hours will he be getting? Oh, you're only coming an hour a week. I don't think that's going to be enough. Um, All the clients I work with, they have no idea that that's how ABA works. So when I tell them I'm coming an hour a week, they're like, great. Okay, cool. (laughs) <laughs> right, wow. right. Okay, so you were never an RBT. How did you gain hours? I did. I was like a case manager and a social worker role in a therapeutic oh, cool. day school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so, so totally different. Degree, yeah, my first degree is in clinical psychology. So oh, I wanted awesome. to work primarily only with severe mental illness in right. adolescents and adults. Um, and I happened to, you know, I ended up in a high school with severely mentally ill, um, teenagers, which was Mm -hmm. really great, but I was, I, in my role, I still wasn't able to do a whole lot. Like I was more of the, the sit down passive talk therapy type of person. Mm -hmm. But then when there were community outings or even crisis situations, that's when they would have the behavior analysts come in. Mm -hmm. So that's when I was like, okay, well, that's so rude. I want to do that shit too. Yeah, I want to be part of that. That's fun. (laughs) So that was my whole reasoning going the BCBA route. Um, Quite honestly, in retrospect, I feel like with the field changing and more BCBAs even starting to 
bloom into other fields that don't mm -hmm. have to do with ASD, I think I still could have done it without a BCBA credential. Um, For sure. Right, right. Especially since, you know, 75% of our clients right now have no idea what BCBA stands for. Right. And your <laughs> right, private pay, true. yes. That's what kind yeah. of what we talked about before too, Ashley. Like you don't need that BCBA credential to practice. Right, um, right. A lot of people don't understand that. You just can't mm -hmm. affiliate yourself with the BACB. But if you have the strategy, you went to school, you have the knowledge and right. the tools, you can definitely implement. Like Super Nanny, she does a lot of ABA strategies and she's not no BCBA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she does. She does. Like, I'm Joe Frost, baby. Those are the only words <laughs> you need to know. <laughs> you know, I love her. I really love She's her. She's so cool. She's so cool. Yeah. No, she is. So that's sure. interesting. So have you ever worked in an agency, like, an, like a, a clinical setting as like a straight up AB agency? I have. So during my supervision, um, even though I was within the school setting, I still felt like it was important for me to learn what it was like to be an RBT. I don't think mm -hmm. you could be an effective BCBA if you have no idea what it's like to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. So right. I took a couple part-time hours doing it and okay. within like two <laughs> months I quit. I mean, isn't I it terrible? <laughs> Not terrible, but it's hard as fuck. I didn't understand like within an hour, I was just like, we rocked it, baby. Bye-bye. And they're like, oh, they they have a four-hour session. I was like, right. Right. who else is coming for the rest of the session? Nobody, right. Kayla. You are with him for four hours. Yes. And I was like, right. okay, so I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. No, it's then, hard. I mean, that was uh, – part of me, I, I like to have my hands in 80 things at one time. And I like yeah. to have – um, a fast paced job where I get to allocate a lot of my skills in a lot of different ways. I don't do well when I am just zoned in for anything beyond like an hour and a half at a time. Yeah, we get right. it. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, we get it. Yeah. I mean, I could write a book. I could knock a book out in a day. Anything involving writing or even presenting, I could do that all day long. But there's something for me where um, mentally, it, it was really hard for me to, to kind of sustain any motivation to keep doing a session right. in the way yeah. as sessions. Why do you guys think we have all these hours? Um, like, you know, like OT, they get an hour speech, they get like 30 minutes a week. And then ABA, you get like 40 hours. Like, what the fuck? Like, why do you guys think this is a thing in our field? Because Lovas well, is an asshole. <laughs> yeah that for sure like honestly but i also think though it's funny that you we say that but we also have the most success and then nobody True. wants to talk about that nobody wants to talk about that but it's like our pairing is so much stronger how many mm -hmm. speech and ot have come to you guys and are like we need you to come because they just won't come in. They won't come in. And I only right. have 30 minutes. And I'm like, well, I don't have that problem. I fucking show up and that kid's at the door waiting for me to come inside. And it's yeah. like, I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but they shit on us all day long. So like, I kind of don't care at this point because I'm so tired <laughs> of seeing it. So yeah. I think there's a like there is a negative. We have a lot of hours. I think we have too many hours with some cases, but yeah, I do sure. think there's a benefit to how much we're with our kids. I think the issue is that our parents don't get as involved as they do with speech because when speech is there, it's thirty minutes of the parents' day. When I'm mm -hmm. there, I'm like, okay, well, I'm in your house for five hours. I need half of that time to be working with you. So like, how can right. we get that done? Because I need mm -hmm. to do parent training. I need to do behavior skills training so that when I walk out the door, you're not texting me in five 
five minutes because he started screaming. And it's like, oh, so you need two and a half hours of my time today? That's a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it is a lot. But Mm -hmm. look at the success I have when I'm here with the kid. Like, and I'm here for five hours a day. And then I'm really with him for five hours a day because you don't give me that other half that I need from you. So I think that they're like, we can definitely take away the hours a little bit. But I think that they're like, like our success rate says something about how long we're with our kids Mm -hmm. but I don't know maybe you guys if you disagree it's okay but no I think I think there's it depends I think the way the insurance is set up there's an incentive to to bill all of these hours because the more we bill the more the agencies get paid so I think that is like making an incentive for us. Oh they recommend we need to recommend 40 hours for this kid when in reality maybe this kid could do 10 hours a week and we can have two hour sessions a day and it'd be fine. Right. Like this kid does not need eight hours of ABA no. therapy. I don't care how severe the case is. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like I don't oh, even yeah. work eight hours a day. Like I don't, yeah, who, yeah it's really, I literally had a kid who had 40 hours Me a too. week uh, and we've had, um, I think there was at least four of us on the team. So we all rotated shifts and it, it was just ridiculous. And the dad, he wanted it, of course, right? Because that's eight hours that that kid, that kid has somebody with them at all times. We went to school with him. And then we had session after school with him. And it was fucking ridiculous. If, if I was the BCBA, because I was just the RBT at that time, I would have definitely tried to decrease those hours, even if the dad was going to have a screaming match with it, because it's just not ethical, in my opinion. Right. Um, I do think some of the cases could benefit for these two-hour sessions, but going past that I mean I've had three hour four hour sessions with like a four-year-old and I'm like what the fuck do we do for four hours you're four years old like what do we do we go on walks we take a bike ride like is this ABA anymore (laughs) yeah and like especially with how I mean I think the true test of hours it's really difficult because there's everything around clinical recommendations for hours is completely subjective there's right it is there's no real criteria out there for Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, how do we technically justify these hours? It's kind of like, oh, severe kids get 20 to 30 and then less severe kids get 10 to 15. 10 to 15 is a lot of time. That's That's a a lot. And, you know, especially considering I only see my kids an hour a week and the progress they've made alone because parents are the ones that are doing all of this. Exactly. I think based on my own experience, I can't speak for anybody else. I would never warrant any more hours for any of my kids because of what I've seen them be able to do already in just right, an hour. right, right, exactly. But that I think parent, the parents yeah, being involved, that's right? right. <laughs> you, no, that's the thing, though. If we were to get the parents involved and truly teach the parents our skills, we're not needed yeah. 10, 15, right. 20 hours a week because the parents have that kid twenty four seven. So if mm-hmm. the parents understand the strategies, which I know it's it's going to take some time for those parents to really understand how we do what we do it, because it took us a while to learn that. We didn't yeah. just wake up the next day and understand all these concepts and strategies. So it's right. going to take time for us to teach the parents. But once they got it, I mean, mm-hmm. that's we need to fade out. That was one of the first things I've learned when I came in this field is our job is to no longer be needed. We, right. That is our job. Our job is not to stay with this kid until they fucking turn 21 and age out. And right. a lot of the BCBAs don't understand that. They're like scrounging mm-hmm. for 
well, what, what other behavior can we add on this progress report so we can keep these hours? Or what what other goals can we add? And I that was not how I was taught when I was first in the field. I was taught like, we're here to fade out. We can start with 10 hours, seven hours, five hours, three hours, and then eventually fade out where it's just parent-led. Maybe we do some monthly probes and check how things are going, make sure everything's in maintenance. But I, I, since I've been a BCBA and I've been a BCBA for a year now, I'm, I'm graduating kids left and right. I'm, I'm decreasing hours with progress reports. And that's, that's, yeah. that's something that I was not seeing as an RBT. A lot right. of my BCBAs kept the hours the same, even if progress was made. And I, I've had BCBAs ask me like, what other behavior can we add? Because we can't just have no behavior. But mm-hmm. thinking in my head, like if there's no behavior, that's great. Our job here yeah. should be close to done. Right. right. What is it, what is the point? I feel like it's I used to get upset. Like, why are more parents not upset about this? Like, aren't parents mm-hmm. saying like, you're going to put my kid in therapy for 30 hours? I've only had probably like, right. I, I've been on one hand throughout my entire career in this field. How many parents actually said like, that sounds like a lot. I mean, right. and that was always really confusing to me. And it, then it kind of dawned on me, we keep marketing ourselves as play we play we do things naturally that gives people the idea that like it's not hard work you're you're just playing with him and if you see in these threads on facebook and like autism mom groups or whatever it is everyone is like oh my gosh my therapist she comes over for five hours she plays they play with bubbles and you know he just loves it and it's like play therapy doesn't make it any less mentally exhausting than like real therapy. And how many natural environment training trials are you running in that play session? I'm with my client. I take him outside a lot because he's 14. We'll Mm -hmm. do, if we do an outside break, I give him 10 to 15 minutes. I'm at his house Mm -hmm. for two and a half hours. He doesn't always choose to go outside. He'll choose to go outside like two times. So what, 20 to 30 minutes of my two and a half hours. But like, I'm not going to just let him play and not interact. So I'm pairing. I'm running maintenance trials. I'm running maintenance intraverbals. I'm running maintenance tax. I'm having him manned. I'm doing all those things, even though we're on a break quote unquote. Right. And we're, right. we are on a break. I'm not, but I'm not going to introduce anything new. I'm not going to make it hard. I'm not going to make him not Demanding. want that break, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to just sit here and not do anything. So when I play, I'm not on my phone while your child is engaging independently on an iPad. Right. When I'm playing, right. I'm teaching and your child is learning and generalizing and maintenance and showing maintenance to targets they've already mastered. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What would it be if you played? What would it be if you had a, a babysitter come over and play? Because it's not right. going to be the same thing. Exactly. But I think a lot of, of our RBTs and our therapists don't understand that or right. don't do the same thing because, I mean, I love going on outings if it's needed. Like, yeah. let's go to the mall. If your kid If your kid has a tantrum every time they walk by – a, a store and they want this toy and they can't let's tolerate that access let's fucking go like i want to look at us like we're crazy like we're going but if we're yeah if we're going to not oh, we're going just because you have the fucking hours and you want me to wait with the kid in line no like we're not doing that so there's there's a time and place for everything and i just feel like parents don't truly understand the benefit of having us in these different settings and then the therapist or the clinical team isn't explaining that correctly to our parents or to the right. specialist or the therapist. Sometimes I don't, I don't even think ABA knows what it wants to do or what we're right. supposed to be doing because right. if we did, if we had a clear idea of we're supposed to work ourselves out of this, then well, 
the entire field, almost all of it is kind of contrary to that because we do see really respectable names in this field that are also saying, unless a kid's in 30 hours, like in therapy for 30 hours, then we can't take him as a client. I mean, I have heard people who have like published wonderful research also say that. (laughs) So it's just very confusing the message that's put out there. And um, all of these really rigid ideas of what things should be, uh, I don't think that's very helpful to staff right. or clients. Yep. Right. And I feel like that's just pushing all like, cause then now you're seeing people in the field. I feel like I see so many people in the field now on Instagram that like hate it. Like they're just like mm-hmm. bad mouth. I'm like, first of all, why are yeah. you in grad school? <laughs> like, why are you yeah. collecting hours <laughs> if you hate it so much? But I think that yeah. that is what's pushing that like, to the other end of the spectrum of like we're just so unhappy with how everything's going that ABA fucking sucks and they're like teaming up with all these other providers and other fields and like I'm like you're like you look dumb as fuck because you're literally doing the (laughs) supervision hours but you're like complaining about it but like I think that that's why like people are just like really Mm. upset with the way things are being run instead of making a change they're just like uniting with other fields and like hating on it but like still collecting hours and like to me that just makes zero sense but yeah yeah exactly and we can get into like new aba like what right new like this new push to reform aba and Mm -hmm. like we talked about previously when we all spoke like trauma informed therapy and all these new words and (laughs) act acceptance commitment therapy all these new concepts that are being introduced into aba which is kind of the response from all this pushback that we've been getting yeah, new ABA is hard to tell what it is because <laughs> yeah, it changes every single week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is either. The first week you say neurodivergent is the word that we're going to use, and You're then like, yeah. when you say it a week later, it's like, don't say that. You're leaving out all of these people that are not mm-hmm. neurodivergent, and I'm like, well, literally everyone on earth is neurodivergent. We all yeah. learn differently, exactly. so. Going back to the piece that we talked about in the beginning where, you know, the handicapped person got pissed because like the comedian didn't make fun of them. I think for a lot of people, specifically all of my clients that can recount their experiences and emotions, they are belittled by it. Like, why do you feel the need to always like treat me and like I'm this this little child that can't possibly handle any sort of adversity Mm -hmm. like call me by my name it's it's fine if you make fun of me I have autism but you can make fun of me like why I'm not sure where new new ABA is going right Uh, yeah what is new ABA how do we define it it's just like we use we can't say low functioning high functioning is and then we can't can't parent training I don't know who decides these things and there's a lot of around like you I think you have to be incredibly arrogant to think that you actually have the authority and the knowledge and the power to tell an entire population what they can and cannot say mm-hmm. and so right I think it's becoming like oh well I was offended by it so everyone else here right that's so true by it. mm-hmm. and it's like but it's all it's not only that it's like they feel a need to call to action somehow like mm-hmm. it's not enough to tell people that you're offended you you want everyone to do something about it right and right that's entirely on you to do something about it because that's what being offended means exactly right and it's like 
like you said in one of your stories is Kayla, like problem behavior. We can't say problem anymore or we can't say challenging. There's like certain words that are super offensive now. We have to just kind of soften up our language. But it's like, no, this this problem, it's, it is a problem. It's a problem behavior. Like this, this SIB or this aggression, this is a problem behavior. Like why can't we, why can't we use that language anymore? And what is that that really, how effective is that? Yeah. My fear is that if if we're continuously afraid to say things, then we're going to be afraid to implement things. And if we, that's what I was just going to say. (laughs) Towing around the actual issue, we're Mm -hmm. not going to address the actual issue. We're going to give a minced sugar coated version of what we actually could be doing that could expedite this entire process. But instead we're like diluting everything down so that it hurts less people. I guess. But do you think the parents like that? Because to me, I'm thinking like, wouldn't the parents want us being as like raw and relatable as possible? Like, listen, mm-hmm. your kid throws shit at you and bites your ankles when you say they can't have ice cream at 7 a.m. That's a fucking mm-hmm. problem. So right. let's fix right. it mm-hmm. because that's not okay. And it's validating. If they, if they keep doing that, mm-hmm. they're going to be 35 and they're going to be in your kitchen fucking choking you out. Okay. So let's <laughs> yes. fix it because that's the reality. But instead, I feel like a lot of parents are I see on Instagram are catering towards the other fields who are using all of this like marshmallow fluff fucking vocabulary and I'm like yeah because all mm-hmm. your clients are four and they're cute and when they tantrum they can't fucking kill you but when they're 40 and they're a grown right. ass man and they're doing yeah. shit that they were doing at four years old because it was reinforced for 36 more years and you right. die because that's a possibility that's yeah. not going to be fucking cute anymore mm-hmm. but people don't mm-hmm. want to like to face that reality you're like oh my god that's crazy no it's not crazy like they i have gotten my ass kicked by a five-year-old before okay so i can't even imagine when he's grown it's gonna be very scary but i feel like parents don't want to hear this anymore because we have all these other fields like with these like false narratives of like oh we're gonna just do this um lavender massage to calm them down it's like essential oils they'll be fine yeah i'm like i'm not doing a fucking lavender massage because you ripped a chunk of my hair out kid okay we're not doing that like we're doing something right my husband works in a school um he is a crisis trainer so he trains school staff on uh safe restraint and all that stuff and he works primarily with very 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 intense teenagers and transition kids And one of the kids was sitting on a computer and they kept telling him, dude, you have to get off the computer. He kept saying no and then grunting and growling and whatever. And then all of the staff said, what do you guys suggest to help him get off the computer? And me and my husband were like, tell him to get off the computer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's a good place to start. They said, well, he gets really escalated when we tell him to do that. Uh, do I, does it look like I care? Unplug the computer if he doesn't do it. And if he gets pissed about it, let him get pissed about it. But treating a 23 year old, like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I just don't know what they think that when they do go in the real world, what is that going to do for these poor people? I mean, that's going to be the rudest awakening in the world. Yep. And to exactly. me, I'm like, did they try a timer? Like, hey, you got 10 more minutes, kid. That's it. I'm putting it right here. You could see it. Mm-hmm. And five minutes, you got five more. You got two more, yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah. All right, we're getting off. We're not asking. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you, can you get off the computer? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. You're getting off the computer right now. We have some. And then yeah. is there anything set in place of after? Like, okay, you need to get off the computer right now. We're going to do X. Mm-hmm. If you just, exactly. if I was on my phone and my boyfriend came up to me and was like, you need to get off your phone, I'd be like, for what? 
Like, are we yeah, doing right. something? Like, but if he was right. like, oh, hey, like, I want to, I want to tell you something. Can you like get off your phone? I would probably be like, all right, cool. Like, there's nothing set in place. There was no antecedent there. It's just like, now you're just scared right. he's going to escalate. Yeah. Cause probably one time you did do that and he just went fucking ape shit on you and now you're terrified and he knows damn well that he has all the control. Mm-hmm. Just the way the, the way the ABA is kind of where we're getting pushed to, it's just, I don't know how effective we're going to be, um, which, right. you know, leads us to the next question. Like, I understand some people feel like they have abusive experiences or of course. their experience with ABA was, um, you know, less than what it should be. Uh, I think those those experiences are obviously valid because we can't tell people yeah. how to experience stuff. So obviously it's all valid and we should take it into consideration. Um, but how do we do that? Like, how how can we remain compassionate to our clients without losing our effectiveness? I feel like everything comes down to being a little more aware of ourselves and pulling from other fields that are not only ABA. I mean, there mm-hmm. are so many other avenues that we could take where it, it might, it'll probably make us feel like, oh, this person disagrees with me. Well, you know, we should just cancel them from the field of ABA. I think right now the knee jerk reaction is to let's only align ourselves with people that understand us. But I feel like if we were able to expose ourselves to how different fields operate and how, and different points of view, ones that are completely contradictory to ours, it would right. give us a more solid understanding of where different people are coming from. Because right. to me, compassionate means that you are there and you're supporting this person emotionally, regardless of how difficult it is. Whereas right, right. new ABA is like, well, let's just never get anything to a point of difficulty. To me, that's not compassion. That's not like, life. That's, just, that's not life. That's right. just right. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I felt like that about ACT. Because when ACT first became a thing, I was like, mm-hmm. this is fucking great. You're accepting, committing, and you're following through, and it's like it's hard, but like this might make me feel this type of way, but I'm gonna commit to changing my environment, and that is the therapy. And like I just thought that that was amazing because like I'm not a clinical therapist, but like you were saying a little bit, like it was like the talk through, sit down, and I feel like this is like we're gonna be objective and we're gonna fucking make change. But now I see act all over Instagram, and it's like so trendy, fucking flowers and rainbows of like blowing smoke up each other's ass. Like you have every right to feel that way, and nothing can change that. No, everything can change that. You're sitting in fucking misery and being fucking offended by the world, Mm -hmm. and what is that doing? That's not act. That's not yeah. ABA. That's not life. Like you're not changing your environment. You're not changing any stimulus within your environment. You're not changing yeah. your own private events. You're not applying any of our principles that will make you stronger in life. And I think compassion is the same thing you're saying. Like mm-hmm. I've had kids crying. Like I had a four-year-old or five-year-old client and he would he would get frustrated. And he, he was like technically nonverbal, but he had like his own little like language that I would understand. And when mm-hmm. he would get frustrated, sometimes he would throw himself to the ground. I would lay on the ground next to him and get eye to eye. And I would be like, I know this is hard because I know he understood me. I would be mm-hmm. like, I will wait with you and we will get up yeah. together as right. long as you need. And sometimes we'd lay there for 30 seconds, sometimes 10 seconds, sometimes a few minutes. That's compassion. And we're going back to the table. Right. We're going back to that puzzle. We're going back to that tact because exactly. you can do it. And when we would get up, exactly. I'd be like, you have this, you can do this. It's hard. Let's get through it and let's get our break. That's mm-hmm, compassion. Exactly. Not just being like, oh, 
well, he's overwhelmed. So that's not the real world. Imagine being like right. that at work and then being like, we'll still pay you. You could go home for a week. Like, exactly. Take as much time as you need, honey. You know yeah. what? You're triggered. So like, just go take a nap. Let us know yep. when you're ready. Right. No, I wouldn't even want to live in a world like that. No, neither. Exactly. I don't think Steve Hayes with ACT or <laughs> Hanley with My Way, I don't think they ever intended any of no. this to look the way it has become. Right. I don't think Hanley would be sitting here saying like, wait a second, you're literally just pulling him away every single time something gets a little bit like whiny. So you're writing an escape? a brilliant person <laughs> like Hanley actually um, condoning something like that. And Steve right. Hayes says like the purpose of act isn't to like be this delusional like the world is an amazing right. place right accepted all of my faults it's more like <laughs> hey i gotta sit in this suck right now and if that means i'm right. sobbing on my floor then i'm gonna do that but i have to find a way to reframe right. this and make moves on it yes and i think right. where we get a little bit lost Yes, exactly. And I think that is why we get so much hate and so much heat is because we do we do present the aversive stimulus. We do want your kid to get through the hard stuff in life. And it's just it's practice. If you can get through this hard five minutes of whatever the fuck we're doing, then you can get through, you know, a hard situation that's going to happen in your life because it will life is really hard and you will be presented with many aversive stimulus. So Mm -hmm. I think that is why we get so much of this heat and maybe why people have this negative experiences is because we do try to help you get through the hard shit. Um, So it's so true. Like we need to stay true to following through with our demands. Um, And that is not where I feel like a lot of the new ABA is kind of like pushing us to like just reinforce escape maintain behaviors. And we all know yes. if when, once we start reinforcing, it's like why why even follow through when they know they can just do X, Y, and Z and get out of the task. Right. So it's just – it's not ABA anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean being compassionate for me means like there's pieces of bravery in it. And bravery right. means that you are approaching these really difficult things and you're openly speaking about these difficult things. I mean, right. I don't know how I would have ever – flourished or succeeded in anything in my life if I did not have somebody like Kayla you need to get your head out of your ass and figure this shit out I don't do well with fluffiness like cut to the chase tell me what I need to do and no matter how hard that is for me to hear I will receive it when I'm ready to receive it exactly I mean and our clients are just as capable like Mm -hmm. I hate that so much people like oh but you work with kids who have autism so like why are you making it so hard because they are capable they're human beings who gives a Mm -hmm. fuck I don't care what your diagnosis is I don't care where you are on the spectrum Mm -hmm. it might be a different approach it might be a different way but you Mm -hmm. can get there and that's another thing I would do with that client I would I would tell him like I am pushing you because you can do this Mm -hmm. you are capable of this we are going to do this together because I don't give a fuck. I would be doing a disservice to the community if I was like, oh, well, you know, he has autism and Prater Willie syndrome. So like, I don't know, like he might just not, this might be a little too hard for him. No, he can fucking do it. He can fucking sit and wait for his mom to give him a snack after he asked for it. Nothing is immediate in life. I don't give a fuck. And what, then his mom has to live the rest of her life walking on eggshells, making sure she does everything in fucking half a second. No, that's that's so true. That's not Tears really are not traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. That is not traumatic. Like, no. 
he's not overstimulated or dysregulated. He's pissed. Okay. He's pissed. The same way that all of us get pissed. And the compassionate route with this is to treat it as that. Not into something else that is just a sugar-coated version. Right. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys have any final thoughts? Or Kayla, do you have anything that you (laughs) want to get out before you go on with your day? (laughs) Yeah. Don't tease me. I might be on this for another 45 minutes. (laughs) It's so easy to talk about because it's just so annoying. Yeah. yeah. I think that um, what has helped me, believe it or not, I know my Instagram name is angry, but I think that in real life. That's why we love it. We loved it. I love it. less angry um, because I have enough assurance in myself and what I'm doing that regardless of who thinks I'm Satan or, you know, a child abuser, that I'm doing what's best for my kids. Right. Exactly. Agree with attest to that right exactly you you know that how your approach is effective and -hmm. it's meaningful and that's all that matters i mean even with as compassionate or as gentle or whatever they may not be as effective as you and they're not making a a big of a difference like all they're doing is playing with the kid for a few hours and then leaving the next day and then there's been no there's no real progress to any of the the skills or the behavior so i think that's what's you know the big takeaway is how effective are you um are you actually changing behaviors are you actually making their life easier um are you just playing with them for a few hours and doing it you know rinse and repeat right yeah you know progress obviously is not going to happen in a week or two weeks or a month even but progress should be happening. You shouldn't be dealing with the same behaviors for 10 plus years because you're too afraid to follow through or you're too afraid to present those, you know, those stimulus that the kid don't like, like tolerating a non-preferred. There's so many of these goals that are under attack right now, like eye contact, which that's a controversial goal, but Mm -hmm. Some kids, we need to know if they they hear us. If when we're asking them, we're presenting a demand, like, are you listening to me? Do I have your attention? Um, you don't have to gaze in my eyes for fucking a minute, but at least look towards me or orientate your body towards me. So some of these goals that people are like, don't do not do eye contact goals or why are you doing um, non-preferred tasks or uh, what is non-compliance? Like those goals they're a reason why they should they should have a reason and a social significance and we should work through them. So it's just very individualized. I think a good takeaway question would be when problem behavior, the question about problem behavior was, is it a problem for you or is it a problem for the kid? Right. I think this new ABA now, mm-hmm. the way that we maybe would benefit from framing it is, is trauma-informed good for the kid or is it just good for me? Does it, does make, it make you feel good? Or is it actually making a difference? I think exactly. that's a good, question, a good hard question to ask ourselves. Right. Right. Man, Which is what we should always that. be doing anyway. <laughs> All of our behaviors, yes. we are supposed yeah. to be targeting behaviors that are beneficial for the client first. That yes. might trickle into other like classroom settings, other settings in the in the world, other people in that person's mm-hmm. life. But it stems from the client. If a yep. client can't sit, and just be somewhere they don't want to be for a little while, that's not going to benefit the client because right. of environmental factors, because of other people in their life. They need yep. to learn how to do that. If a client can't let you know that they aren't hearing you, that's not going to benefit the client because then what? Either they're going to be ignored all the time or they're going to start getting mm-hmm. screamed at. And like, that's not good either. So, like, all these things, if a client can't 
accept the word no, not right now, that's not going to benefit the client either. Like all of these things don't benefit the person. So if you're not asking that with this new ABA, what were you even doing before? Maybe that's why you didn't like the other ABA. Right. (laughs) Exactly. It benefits your own ego. Yeah. And there's, that's, that is trendy right now. It's like, whatever makes you feel good. It's not, it's not how we're changing, you know, the client's behavior. It's like, how do you feel? Like, no, we need to stop being so selfish and trying to make a, make it better for us to sleep at night when the parents still got to deal with all of these behaviors at the end of the day. So that is truly the issue and the core of reason why we're in this field is to help people and help their families. Right. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's hard right now (laughs) with all of the heat that we're getting. (laughs) (laughs) It's difficult, but as long as we keep having people like you, like you, Kayla, that are doing it the right way and making, making changes and, I think there's hope. There's hope for our field. Oh, thank you. Yes. That's a great <laughs> I'm glad some people are on my side. Yes. No, for we sure. <laughs> no, I think, you no, know, me and Ashley, we've always felt this way we, amongst yeah. each other. And then we've seen your, your Instagram and I went through all your posts and I'm like, she's like on point here. Like she has something good. Like I told you last time when we talked, I'm like, you need to do something like, I don't know, parent course or like at CEU. Like, yeah. I, I would definitely do your CEU because I think your oh, yeah, your sure. way of delivering our science is what we need more of that. Thank right. you, thank you. I have some surprises <laughs> up my sleeve. Yeah, so for excited. sure. Posted on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we you can find Kayla. Do you do you want your Instagram out there? <laughs> is that okay? Oh yeah, baby. Okay. <laughs> I don't care if you're a plumber. You could <laughs> for sure. It's, it's angry. It's angry. Behavior. The yes. angry BX analyst. The angry BX analyst on Instagram. I fucking love her handle. Yes. <laughs> Let's make it like a shirt out of it. I love it so I much. I know. I know. Sure. That's um, great. Do you have a website or anything else like that? I do. I have our company's website, which is www.canvasbehaviorconsulting.com, which is linked on my Instagram if you find your way over there. Yeah. Awesome. If you are in, um, she's in Illinois. So mm-hmm. I don't know like what you're servicing over there, but if you're over there and you listen to this and you need a angry analyst in your life <laughs> to help with your angry kid, she is your, she's your girl. She's like a super it. nanny. Oh, you guys, you flatter. <laughs> I love it. And we'll have all her information in the show notes as well for you guys too. Yes. Okay. Woo-hoo! Thank you, Yay. Kayla. Okay. So before, um, before we end the podcast, we do have a task analysis breakdown yeah. um, where we just go over at, at least one section of the task analysis. So today we are doing section H, selecting and implementing interventions. For the task analysis breakdown, we are going to be discussing discussing the section H, selecting and implementing interventions with a fill in the blank question. So when recommending intervention goals and strategies, these recommendations are based on such factors as client preferences, supporting environments, risk constraints, and blank. So what else? do we need here? And the answer is social validity. Do you want to go in that a little more, Ashley? Yeah. So I picked this one just because I felt like it was in line with everything we were 
especially everything we wrapped up with, which that just happened perfectly. Yes. <laughs> just absolutely. because I feel, again, like when we're working with our clients, you need to take yourself, their family, everything else out of the equation and just look at them. And all of these factors are what you really need to focus on. Um, and social validity, I think, is probably the most important, in my opinion, just because everything stems to that. What's going to happen mm-hmm. when you generalize behaviors at the supermarket, the museum, the movie theater? Like, every, like you need to think of how these behaviors will benefit your client in the real world with exactly. real life strangers, with real life people who have no idea that they might have a disability or might not have a disability. You have to think about that. So that's why I added this one because I just thought it went well with what we were talking about. And it's just it's so important. Yeah, it really is. I definitely agree. Well, that is the end of this episode. Please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Um, If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We're trying to get our reviews up here. So yeah, (laughs) leave us a review. Maybe if we get more reviews than just my husband. He's like the only person that reviewed. (laughs) I love it. If we get more reviews, um, we're going to start doing something. We'll have some reinforcement for reviews. We're not too sure yet, but... um, we can find our Instagram on at ABA on a pod. You can find me personally at objective outcomes on Instagram. Yeah. And you can find me on Instagram at behavior with Ash. And thanks for listening.